Well, hello, and have a great day today. This is Peter. Just want to welcome you all in, my friends, brothers and sisters. This is going to be uh, episode number two of my podcast. Actually, episode number two of our podcast. So any input, anything you would like to add, please do share that with us. We'd be more than happy to uh, maybe put it in on future podcasts, get information from you, particularly if uh, this touched your heart and anything you can take out of this. That's what this community is all about. It's about sharing ideas and a journey through the abyss of this mental health PTSD, addiction, these things that we battle with every single day. And remember, you're never out on an island because we're all here and we love you. Today, um, I have a guest and it is someone that I've known for 30 years plus years, and someone that I truly respect. He has a lot of great information. His journey is, uh, to me, is remarkable. And he has a lot to share, a lot to give back to the community here. And he was more than willing to come on. I was kind of nervous about asking him. And I think before I even got the final words out, uh, his answer was, yes, I will do that. So I'm going to bring him on and we'll get this started. And we're just going to have a conversation here and uh, listen closely because there's some gold coming. So here we go. I'm just going to introduce uh, my greatest friend, uh, mentor, uh, his name is Craig, and I'm going to bring him on now. So here we go. Hey, Craig, are you there? Can you hear me? I am here, and yes, I can hear you. All right, sounds good. Hey, let's just start off with a hey, welcome to the podcast. We're, I'm really grateful that you found the time today to come in here. I know you're you're very busy. But I also know that you have that servant's heart and you uh, want to get, a, you know, this message, our message, your message and your journey out there. And so I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to come in and talk today. That's my pleasure. It's an honor to honor to be able to share a little bit of my experience. And, and, uh, and it's just good to talk to you. Awesome. So let's start, Craig, with um, why don't you just. Tell us, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, who you are. And well, my name is Craig Post. Um, I'm from Western Minnesota, and I'm 55 years old. I um, I currently work for the uh, my work life piece. I work for the Department of Corrections for uh, for Hennepin County in Minneapolis, and. Um, I'm going to talk, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about, um, 
kind of what what the my experience is with um, some dysfunction, some trauma. Um, my uh, what I perceived as 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 medication um, when I was young, and um, kind of the how that came full circle, where um, where the uh, the medicine that I was prescribing myself uh, quit working. And then uh, a recovery journey that has been uh, interesting, beautiful. Um, it was. It's been recovery from uh, addiction, from drugs, addiction from food and sugar, and um, and that recovery journey has been about uh, thirty-two years, not about thirty-two plus years of uh, continuous uh, sobriety. Uh, in that time for about 20 years of that i have also been a uh, in recovery from compulsive overeating and sugar addiction um, i've also been in recovery from uh, being a, uh, a trauma uh, survivor let's say and what that entails um, that recovery uh, therapy working on ptsd uh, emdr um, and so there has also been this parallel journey that has been to do with, I would say, parallel and interwoven, a journey of recovery with my with my my mental uh, my mental state that is parallel with um, and intimately interwoven with my uh, my recovery from addiction. Okay, so thank you for that, and with that journey. And having, knowing we have addiction and um, trauma and all these things, there's always going to be like, let's say, a, a, a building block, a beginning, a middle, and a continuous ending to that journey. <clears throat> so can we touch on a little bit about, I guess, you know, the beginning, you know, your early days, uh, childhood, and kind of go into, you know, tell us a little bit about what, what that was like and what some of the things that uh, came out of that. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, my, my childhood, um, you know, I come from a, a, a dysfunctional, a dysfunctional home. My dad is uh, an alcoholic and uh, um, had bipolar, uh, unmedicated. Uh, bipolar and alcoholism um and i began to become aware of an uneasiness um something different that didn't feel okay i, I didn't feel secure when uh, about the time i was five years old and i remember at that time i remember at that time that um i and, and again, this is in retrospect. Um, I remember reaching for uh, food and sugar to sate the anxiety around this this uneasiness that I had around what was going on in, my, in, in the home. Um, when I was eight years old, uh, my mother followed through with divorcing my dad. That was my one of my greatest fears that I was gonna gonna lose my dad. Um, my dad was going to be uh, put in an institution um, and was going to be picked up by the sheriff to be taken away to to uh, to lock up 
command the psychiatric ward. And when the sheriff uh, showed up at the door, um, this is where I'm from in Montevideo, showed up at the door to take my dad away. My dad came in the front door and I was sitting on a, on a bench in the porch and my dad got down on his, his knees and he buried his head in my lap and he was sobbing and he begged me um, to not let them take him away. And this was when I was eight years old. This this was, um, and, and you know, this was identified later after I got into to recovery, um, as the, the the initial, the first block in the foundation, the foundation of um, trauma. This is where my PTSD was born, I guess, for lack of a better phrase. Um, you know, and that and that continued uh, with with my dad's mental illness continued through from eight through probably 14, 15, 16 years old um, with threats of suicide that he was going to commit suicide. And then that, and I knew that I need to hear that or be privy to that or heard from somebody else or whatnot. So those are also um, having, having been uh, through therapy um, and in becoming aware of, of this. And again, a lot of this in retrospect, um, those were, those were additions to the building that is the, is the trauma the PTSD that I, that I experienced. Um, so let me, let me ask you this, that, okay. So at the, then at 14, let's go back a little. And I understand where um, that trauma event, um, there was probably many more other different traumas, different, issues, different things like that, that, um, made that one, you know, cemented that particular one. So you were building on this, you know, every time in the house, bipolar, you didn't know what you were going to get from, uh, your parent at that time. <clears throat> but before we go a little bit into that, I'd like to go back a little bit, um, to the first thing you said, about the food and, and sugar. Um, two things. One is what was it that made you go there? And second, what was it like when you got there, what did it, what did it give? Those are great questions. Um, uh, the, the, the reason, the reason I went there is, is the, is just this, this uneasy, anxious feeling, anxiety, um, seeking something to, just so that I would feel different, comforted, sedated sedated um and so that's why i went there um and and the feeling the feeling when i when i you know, started to use food and sugar as medicine was wonderful it was it was relief it was a dulling a dulling of that anxiety it was an easing it was an easing of that and um, and at that time, you know, that relationship with food and sugar as medicine was cemented at an emotional level from the time I was uh, probably six or seven years old. And 
then at eight with the building block with the trauma, it ramped up. And, um, and I relied on that. I used that, um, until primary as my primary means of coping with my, my young life, um, until I was about 12. And, um, and I, you know, I can recall behaviors around food and sugar that I would later exhibit, uh, around, uh, drugs and alcohol, um, whether it was hoarding, obsessive, um, compulsive, uh, hoarding, dishonesty, sneaking. I mean, these are all behaviors that I later would, would trans would transform, um, and, and transpose onto my, my use of, of drugs and alcohol. Yeah. So it's kind of like you'd have a Christmas day, um, on grocery day, you know, did she get this? Did they pick up this? Did they pick up exactly. my special, special thing? Oh, they were out of it. And then there'd be some like, you know, probably some angst there if they didn't have it or they didn't pick that one particular thing up was there. Okay. I was always aware of what was there. Gotcha. And I was going to make sure that I was going to have access or get what I felt like I needed. Yep. And so within that, in the in that time period then, so there was, uh, you know, building in your in your mind and in your body. There was uh, times when you were, let's say, doing homework or out playing or you know the normal quote unquote things that we do every day. Um, there was this there was that that tape playing in your head that hey, there's food at the end of this tunnel or I need to cut this short to get back to that food. Is that, would you say that was accurate? Yes. It was always on my mind. There was an obsession there. There was a, there was a a plan for later. What are we doing here? What are we doing there? It was very, very important to me that I I was going to be able to have access. Okay. So what was the, Okay, so at, you know, seven, eight years old, what was the relationship like with your dad? It was, it was, um, you know, we, we, my dad uh, exposed me to the outdoors, and I, I looked, you know, my dad was my god, you know, he was my hero, got me involved in, in fishing and hunting, and, and so it was an interesting one in that, um, you know, uh, we did that stuff together, which I really enjoyed, I loved, um, and that's kind of fueled when I, when, when, when I knew that things weren't good and there was possibly going to be a divorce, it, that was a lot of a lot of fear that he was going to go away. I mean, I remember pleading with God that um, that uh, please don't let him go. And um, you know, the re- it was interesting. I, you know, my dad with the bipolar, you know, on the on the low end of that cycle was a lot of depression, and so I I was I I, I was in a position where I assumed the role of what I'd like to call the rah-rah boy, you know, when my dad was depressed, you know, it's, oh, it's not, it's not that bad, or let's do this, or let's do that, and so there was a lot of codependency that was, that was built in, um, almost on autopilot, I guess, as a part of our relationship, um, that's an interesting question, I've never been asked straight out, you know, what was your relationship with your dad, like, at that age, so there was some very quote-unquote normal, um, I know that's setting on a dryer, but, but, you know, it was uh, dad's son did this and that. And, 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 then, and then there were some other layers, some interesting, some interesting layers to that relationship, codependency, um, anxiety, 
uncertainty with what's coming next um, as, as a result of the unmedicated bipolar and the alcohol. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so then the, I think that's the, that's, that's a big thing that, you know, <clears throat> where as we're growing up in a certain dysfunctional situation, um, or even certainly in functional situations, family units and things like that, there's these layers of, I call it from my work in therapy is, you know, it created, you know, certain trauma layers, you know, one on top of another, on top of another, uh, on top of a, you know, somehow this cemented foundation down there, it just kept getting, you don't build a new foundation, you just you know, add another layer and another layer on there. Um, so at eight years old, in in a sense, you became the man of the house because you because you had your mom, and then so my guess would be not only were you rah on your father, you had to uh, do some work with your mom as well at eight years old. complexity of why she did what she what she knew she had to do which was divorce my father and get out quote unquote and and, uh, and have a different life um, so that was angry I was really angry with my mom you know my mom worked really hard single mom uh, made sure that you know we had a we had a home we had food we had clothes we, we, we went to school we went to church and did, did all these things but I didn't understand I was just angry that my dad was gone. No matter how dysfunctional my relationship was with him at that point, I was just, um, yeah, it was. I didn't understand completely. So, um, when the divorce, then you went with your mom. Yep, yep. I stayed with my mom. My dad moved out. He was uh, he he lived in uh, a different town here and there, and then back in the same town, little inconsistency had a difficult time holding down a job for very long there was always something that would come up um you know uh, a lot of uh, geographical cures with my dad things will be different here um and, and i later got my own experience with that in my addiction um uh trying attempting the geographical cures and, and having the same results that my dad had interestingly enough i'm not going to become my dad but Darn it. No, but I'm going to my <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes, sir. I've, I've done that. So it brings me to, you know, maybe it's, it, it, it's at age 14, but, you know, there, there must have been a transition uh, from the food and things like that um, to, uh, chemicals and drugs when when was that um that was at 12 okay that was at 12 and that's where that's where food kind of had to move over and it got um supplanted a little bit for the the number one the the, was the i started drinking beer and smoking weed when i was 12 and um i remember vividly uh, the first time that i uh i think i had i had probably uh two or three uh two or three beers year mark, the 20 year mark, roughly right in there, when, when I was really, I was, I became really aware that I was struggling with some anxiety 
and it would and it would come on in the context of a of a romantic relationship where I could have the air sucked out of me while trying to put up a curtain rod while my partner watched me because I thought I, I thought I thought I was gonna die and the shortness of the breath and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and see I would react to that and the whole thing was a result of going all the way back to that eight year old. And, and, and a lot of what I came to after a lot of hard work in therapy is, is feeling unlovable. And so I started to get therapy for PTSD, um, EMDR, um, a variety of techniques and tools. Um, I worked with a, a, a doctor in Minnetonka, Minnesota, who I would have to, I'd have to say gave me and in, in some respect, gave me my life back. And this was at, I want to be a little more specific, this is at about 25 years clean and sober. For that layer of the onion to get to the top, which is, and now in retrospect, I look at that as, that's that was the building block of my addiction, was um, the PTSD. And so that, that therapy was so impactful and so life-changing. It's, uh, boy, it's difficult for me to even, uh, even do that justice, how, how much that has meant to a, a peaceful, serene, more well-adjusted life. Right. Well, that just, that kind of brings me to, uh, you know, um, one of the things I have on this particular podcast is that, you know, uh, you know, we're not, licensed professional psychiatrists, therapists, medical doctors, psychologists. Um, and so, you know, we really do uh, strongly encourage um, to stay with your medical professionals and go with their guidance. If you haven't gone, uh, strongly suggest that you go, you find one. You do some research on the folks and find the one that you might feel the most comfortable with and give it a try. It's like trying on a pair of shoes sometimes. If the first one doesn't click, that means absolutely nothing. It's It's your responsibility, which is not a big one, but it's your responsibility to go and try to find the next one. Uh, because they're out there. There are, there are, you know, absolutely wonderful therapists. And you had mentioned the uh, EMDR. And um, I have, uh, in a future episode, I'm actually going to have one of the, uh, somebody that does uh, EMDR, EMDR training, EMDR um, counsel, or, uh, consulting, and um, they'll be on to talk a lot more in depth about that and kind of how, you know, the brain works and how the brain can process. Um, you know, the short story is, is that if we have a trauma uh, with and um, it's a daily trauma, it's in us. We're living it as if it just happened uh, yesterday uh, through EMDR we can move it through our brain to make it become how, you know, certain brains work 
just goes over to the other side of your brain and and becomes a uh, a memory that you can live with instead of a active trauma that gets your heart rate up, wrenches your gut, pulls your chest in, and just uh, so and we're going to have a, a future episode on EMDR, which is which I'm really excited about. Um, so what? So today or tomorrow or yesterday, one of your anxiety flares comes up. Um, one of those things come up, say, you know, when you're at home, you know, with the family. What are you doing to uh like attack it in the moment what it you know i don't you know what do you do to help it in the moment um that's a great question and and probably one of the tools that i learned in therapy that i use the most is, is a lot of what i came when it came down to for me was when i'm when i have anxiety and it comes out in this 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 room of my significant relationship romantic relationship with my partner um my wife now is it's because i'm feeling unlovable at some level and i know that's directly related to experiencing trauma and so if i can just grab a moment and i can do this in the presence i can turn my back i don't even need to do that but i can take a deep breath uh, just a form of meditation and I, I will just affirm that I am lovable. And the emphasis is on am. I am lovable. And I breathe that. And I'm just be that. And when it hits, and it might take a few um, times, I might have to repeat that. But when it hits, it changes everything. Um, and I know a lot of folks that, you know, there's a lot of folks think that affirmations are hokey. I, I get it. I'm telling you what, man, when I first cleaned up, my sponsor told me to put a post-it on the mirror and say something else. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding. And, but I am here to tell you, I am here to tell you that that one in particular, more than probably any other in my life, in my recovery, is the most impactful. Because it goes right to the core. I am lovable. I'm, and I am okay. That's another one. And I'll do them. I'll, I'll just go from one to the next to the next to the next. And I'm breathing as I'm doing that. And I'm, I believe in meditation. And so when I incorporate that affirmation into my meditation, it changes the way I'm literally I'm vibrating. It's, it changes it. So that would be my answer to that. That's the thing I can do in the moment when I am feeling that. Um, that's kind of my go-to. Um, I, yeah, go ahead. So... So it sounds to me like you had somebody, family member, parent, in your childhood had created a, uh, a dysfunctional foundation. Um, and then over the years on that foundation, uh, you know, it was creating layers. Or let's just say, you know, build a wall here, build the back wall, build the door. 
putting windows up, putting all these things that you're kind of stuck inside and you're living your life with what's in there and you can't get out of it. And then through your journey, um, you didn't necessarily destroy that foundation and all of that is you just simply moved out of it and created your own foundation. And now the layers that you put in there are uh, kindness, service, spirituality, um, moving forward things and your foundation is 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 definitely a a strong one but mo- i think most people think wait a minute <clears throat> now you can't see craig on this podcast but i've been watching him and there have been a number of times where he has simply closed his eyes and was meditating and was saying, probably saying, you know, I am loved or one of his other affirmations. You could see him actively doing it to uh, just make sure, because these are very difficult and painful things to talk about. But do you think that somebody that might be listening to it Thing and it's like ah, 
to heck with it. I'm not going to try it again. And that's, I get that. And I've been there. Um, regroup, take that breath and make a phone call, do the next thing. And, and, and I, I'm just a big believer that we, we get what we need to do that. Yeah. And I, and I personally have lived that as well. And I've, you know, I, you know, as my personality can sometimes be is that, you know, I'm, I've taken it, I take it to the, to the limit, you know, and, and go a year or two years of ab- living in absolute, the, living in the abyss, in, in the darkness and uh, letting my mental health, my depression, anxiety kind of run the show. And uh, there was that one day I was looking and found a place that was close to me and found a therapist that I am so glad, I'm so blessed that they're in my life and um, it's helped my family so much. It's helped me so much. Her kindness is is just incredible. And she just, she doesn't like it, but I call her the driver. Um, and she's not, she's more of a GPS and say, Hey, here, why don't you, or maybe you should, that's her thing. Or maybe you could, you could, I think she uses, you could, you could take a right here if you want, you know? And, uh, so yeah, she'd been an incredible process and I'm glad I have her and I need her. And, um, so reach out, continue reaching out because there's help out there. There's help inside this podcast. Um, the emails are up, the Twitter, uh, site is up. Um, it's there. If you don't want to reach out out there in the world, you can reach out in here and we can try to give you some recommendations to who to see, what to do. Again, we're not professional therapists, but we're sufferers and we've suffered. And now we're not suffering, um, because we found the tools, we found the courage to um, make it go away because uh, it's no way to live um, and and just to be able to be happy and and move forward with you know our lives so with that Craig I think we are at the end of it um, anything you'd like to share here before we uh, end the podcast? Well, I just, I want to say thank you for the opportunity to share, um, share some experience or my experience. It, it always strengthens my recovery. And it, um, it, you know, if somebody, somebody relates to anything I've shared, that's, that's a good thing. Or, and, and I would say, I, I can't, can't um i really echo what you said about reach out it, it you're not alone 
I know it feels long sometimes. Um, and 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 just do it. Just do it because it can be different. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is, and this is a perfect example of that, what you just said. It's, it's, I know that uh, the person that's going to listen to this is going to connect on something in here. And if you connected with something, one thing, that should tell you that you are not alone and that there are others out there and um, reach out because we love you. All right, my friend, you have Thank a wonderful day. Thank you for coming in. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Yeah, it's good to see your smiling face. God bless everybody. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you soon. You bet. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. So that's our podcast for today. Remember, you can reach out to us on email at ourchtpodcast at gmail.com. Our Twitter, Creating Hope, T-O, number one. That's Twitter. I believe my email's on this. If you'd like to follow uh, there is a, a subscriber tab down there. If you'd like to su- subscribe to the podcast, you're more than welcome to do that. And um, we will set this up, and I'm going to uh, go for a next Thursday podcast again. I think Thursday is going to be the day and the release until maybe when I get more, uh, we'll do a couple of podcasts a week or something. But as I said, we're, I'm just starting off uh, this process and I hope that this has blessed you. Just know we love you and keep your head up, keep moving forward and reach out. Okay. Have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye.